Welcome to Elite Rugby SNC Podcast, the best podcast talking all things rugby and strength and conditioning. At Elite Rugby SNC, we provide athletes with strength and conditioning programs that provides you with everything you need to become a beast and take your game to the next level. No matter what stage of the year or season, Elite Rugby SNC has a program for you. You can try before you buy, so try our seven-day, seven-dollar trial to get a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. Also, sign up to our newsletter and receive free bonus content each and every single week. So take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join Elite Rugby SNC today. Today on the podcast, SNC coach Jared Free joins me for a chat. Jared has been working in the industry for several years now, mainly working with rugby league athletes. But outside of rugby league, he works with a whole different range of athletes here in Canberra. On this episode, we talk about SNC for rugby league athletes. We talk about how Jared got into coaching. We talk about the 2022 ACA International Conference. Jared talks about his coaching philosophy. And Jared provides an awesome insight into the Raiders pathway and what it's like being an SNC coach at the Raiders. This was a fantastic episode, and I just want to thank Jared for joining me. I know you'll get a lot out of this episode, team. Enjoy. So, g'day, Jared. How are you? Mate, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. It's, it's awesome to have you on board. So, how's life going at the moment, and how's your coaching going as well? Um, mate, things are, things are going very well. Uh, life's, I wouldn't say relaxing, but it's, um, everything's going really well. Um, coaching where we're a fortnight into preseason, so it's all, all kicking off. Everything's very, very busy. Um, privately works going very well as well. Uh, so yeah, in terms of, um, in terms of coaching and life, it's all, uh, all pretty, uh, pretty hectic right now, but hectic in a, in a very good way. That's awesome, mate. And I just saw that you've gotten a little bit of promotion in in the Raiders. You're going up to the is it Jersey flag, if if I'm correct? Yeah, yeah. The uh, it's it's under twenty ones. So um, <laughs> the under nineteens is where I was for for several years before that. Um, so yeah, this year um, had a, had a call up to the under twenty ones, which is uh is very exciting. It's a bit of a uh, different, it'll be a different experience, a bit of a different structure to the season and and how the whole program works. Um, sort of stepping it up a notch, which is uh. I've wanted it for a little while, so it's really good. Really exciting. That's awesome, mate. That's good. That's good. Hard work pays off, mate. It's awesome to see it. And you would have a fair, fair few uh, familiar faces in that squad, wouldn't you? From the 19s to the 21s, is there many faces that you know mm. there? Yeah, it's been um, it's it's been kind of funny in a way because uh, in, in terms of both players and staff, I think every every single staff member there, I've I've worked with in some pretty close capacity uh, before, uh, and then. Yeah, I, I would say probably at least at least half of the players you know already have have worked with for a, a full season. So it's been quite a smooth transition. Mm. It's, um, it's probably a good way to put it. Um, hasn't hasn't been too difficult at all. Uh, obviously, those relationships that you have with people beforehand, if they're good, then um, that that helps that pretty good flow. So yeah, no, it's um it's been it's been interesting having uh, having so many familiar faces in a a different environment. It's been great. Definitely makes it a lot easier transition, as you said. So, and especially the players who haven't worked with you before, they'll be like, "Do you know Jared? Is he any good?" And then the mm. players who you've worked with, is like, "Yeah, he's really good." And then that's just like that easy buy-in, and then they will just you know dedicate themselves to the program and do the best that they can. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I've had that. I mean, I hope I've had that. You don't know what people say when you're not in the room, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I think if you if you have that rapport and that respect with 
certain few of the playing group, particularly if they're some of the, the big dogs as such, um, you know, if, if the other guys will see them, yeah, have that buy-in themselves and they must, even if they don't verbalise it, I just assume, yeah, cool. He's, he's half legit at least. Let's give him a go. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I found it really, I don't want to say easy, really smooth in terms of everyone's, everyone's switched on and everyone's bought in pretty well straight away. I mean, it's first two weeks. You don't know everyone's excited first two weeks. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so far that, that interaction between it's all been really good. I haven't really noticed too much of a difference between, uh, you know, the guys I've coached before versus the guys I haven't, um, it's been, it's been good. I think as far, as far as I can tell, they're all a really good bunch, a uh, really good bunch of fellas. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm quite fortunate with the, with the group I've got um, mm. coming into first year with 21s. That's awesome, mate. So what, what does the program look like um, for the preseason for the under-21s? What, what's your splits, just say, during the week that we've just come through? Uh, in terms of like, what's the... Just gym, um, and, gym and field, like what's that? So can you paint the picture for coaches who haven't been in the um, yeah. r- rugby league system before, like myself? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so it's it's actually very similar to two hundred nineteen. So a lot of these guys, uh, most of them are are still going to be working during the day. Uh, so I suppose you'd say probably similar to what you'd have as a, a semi pro type sport. Uh, morning gyms at six a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then afternoon trainings, which would be you know, two to three hours um, on those same days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So uh, morning gyms, uh, I pretty much take a whole body approach and structure. Uh, that based around um, what I'm doing on field and what the what the coaches are doing, uh, you know, just basic stuff like keep most of the posterior chain work away from sprinting and all that sort of thing. Um, but then, yeah, in the afternoons, uh, you're looking at generally speaking, there'll be x amount of time for for meetings and such, which most systems and any sort of club is probably likely to to have. Um, and then it's 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 all on field, so. Uh, you're looking at you know, conditioning in and around and, and my work in and around uh, the, the coaching side of things, uh, football coaching side of things, uh, but that would obviously differ for the week to week. Uh, but that Monday, Wednesday, Friday is, is pretty consistent all the way through. And then come uh, come season time, game day will be, generally speaking, Saturday. Awesome. That's a that's really interesting split. And you probably really have to emphasize to these boys, make sure that you're, you're fueling up throughout the day and, and staying hydrated because it's, it gets pretty hot down here in Canberra. And if they're out in the tools or it, even if they're just sitting down at uni or a desk sort of work, like you really got to make sure that your hydration, nutrition are ready to go for that second session um, later in the afternoon. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really interesting you bring up the, the in the tools versus the, the sitting down because you have guys that do, do both. Um, so... It's interesting seeing the difference between you'll often have the guys that that have been on the tools and and sort of physically working hard throughout the day and they come in in the afternoon and they have no worries because they're working hard and they have been mm. hydrating versus the guys who are uh, maybe at uni or, or something that is inside and they'll come in and that, that second session just hits them like a ton of bricks because they just haven't, haven't maybe they haven't been hydrating, haven't been preparing, haven't been, I don't know, maybe they've taken it a bit lax because they've been inside and haven't felt that oh yeah i need to have a drink um mm. so it does certainly take a bit of time for them to i think adapt and you, you can really see i think usually about a month in um who's who's switched on during the day and who's not 100 mm, percent. that's awesome thank thanks for the insight on that 
So recently you attended the 2022 ACA conference here in Australia with yours truly. That's where we met for the first time. How did you find that experience and what were the key things you took away from the weekend? It was good. I always enjoy it. Um, obviously, meeting people like yourself is is sort of part of the reason that you go to these things. Uh, in terms of what, what, what I took away from the weekend, generally with those weekends, I don't really seem to have you know, one or two big things that I go, sweet, yeah, that's what I took. It's more all of those little tidbits and little things here and there that you pick up that you then sort of start looking into and start applying and then over the next few months will expand and lead you down different pathways. So yeah, there are a few things um, that, I, that I quite enjoyed from, this sounded really rude, I forget his name, um, the coach who set up the Pacifica Moana um, high-performance team um, for the Super Rugby team, set up that high-performance unit. Um, I took a lot out of that being a, a rugby presentation, obviously very, very similar to, to league. So a few concepts and I suppose drills, particularly around change of direction and integrating it into the sporting side of things. Um, took a few things out of that that I'm sort of exploring and, and working through and I don't want to say change, change my line of thinking, but giving me a, a new line um, to go down. Uh, so that's, that's sort of how I come from that. I uh, come into those sort of things. I come in with, try and come in with an open mind and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll look, look for the presentations or choose the, the lectures or events that, uh, probably take a, a different approach to what I'm, what I'm used to. Uh, you know, I try and get to most of the international speakers cause they might have a, a very different perspective than someone who's just happens to be interstate. Um, and just having a, yeah, I suppose understanding of how different people's perspectives can be as coaches doing the same thing. Um, yeah, I suppose it's hard, hard to articulate exactly sort of two or three key things I took away from the weekend, uh, but there were sort of lots of smaller things that are sort of integrated or am considering how to integrate mm, over time. Uh, yeah, it's great. I think that was the same as me, just taking those little things out of it and then just, just working on it. I think the, the main one for me was with um, Dana, uh, Darlene Harrison and, and her talk about leadership. And that's just something I want to continue going going on is and, and developing is how do I become a better leader as a coach and how do I influence my, my athletes um, better and make sure that I'm giving 110%. So I think just little things like that and presentations that necessarily weren't about you know sprint profiling or jumping and plyometrics, it's the other stuff because I think we all have a pretty good understanding around that and we'll still pick up little things like the change of direction one uh, with the coach. I can't remember his name and how simple it was and how everyone should be just doing the simplicity of these drills. And I took stuff away from that, but it was more the things that we weren't focusing on. The nitty gritty SNC was like the things outside of SNC, which you're a coach or a leader and how your communication skills um, and just continuing to develop that. I, I found that talk from Dar uh, Darlene was was awesome. I um I actually missed that one. I uh, the Darlene one. It's um I've I've heard very good things about it. So, uh, mm. you know, I, I I'm not sure which one I was seeing. I guess at the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say whether I should have said no. Oh, I'll go to that one or. Mm. Uh, I, but I'm, I, I'm hearing good things. I, th I think that's the beauty of the the ACAs. Like, they will have different presenters and speakers. And I think it was something that me and Ben talk, talked about was like, try and go to the ones that you probably don't think you want to go to, you know, and you might learn yeah. something different and there might 
somehow it just relates back to what you're trying to do there at your um your team or organization yeah it's um you, you can always find i think you can find something out of everyone who yeah any, anyone really and if it's something that's a totally different perspective mm. um that's i suppose what you really want to go for i'm just trying to look up that coach that we both each mentioned just so and say who he is but i can't find the list of presenters mm. on Asuka, so that's all good. I would... Apologies if he happens to be listening. Yeah, that's all good. I think I think any coaches listening, I think next year you should go up. Like this was my first time going up to a conference face to face, done the right. um, online ones, and it was just awesome to meet other coaches like yourself and and start that network, but also then share some of the the knowledge that you have and resources you have for some of the younger coaches or coaches who have been out there for a while, and you introduce you know a coach to this person, which I did a couple times and. Didn't even mean to. It just sort of happened, and I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Now these two have got a good connection, and we can start to really, really enhance the in the the SNC industry and grow it. And yeah, if if any coaches listening out there, definitely go to the next one. It's worthwhile. I know I know it can be a little bit expensive, but at the end of the day, you you just don't know what you're going to get out of it. And one thing I like to say is, you don't know who your next boss is. You might meet your next boss up at this next conference, so why not um, take the opportunity? Yeah, you very much could. It's um it's it's cool. Like it's my it's my I forget if it was my third or fourth one. I went to a two or three before the um COVID all hit. Um uh, and yeah, you you don't really know um who who you're gonna meet and I guess yeah, how how are you gonna get on with people and it's um it's cool. You you pretty much hit the nail on the head. You never really know. I mean, I knew one one coach already the first time I went, uh and then your second or third time you know, you're walking down the halls and you're, you're shaking hands with 10 or 15 people mm. um, that, that you've just met and you know people remember um, good people that, that they've met and you don't have to come out with anything groundbreaking or anything like that. It's just, yeah, be a, be a good person and, and take interest in what other people are doing. Mm. Uh, and Yeah, that, that network and that community builds. 100%. So growing up as a young lad, what sports did you play? And I, I didn't even ask you this question beforehand. Did you did you end up playing rugby league or is that me mm-hmm. just making something up? No, no, you, um, I, th- I think you can, you can, being a rugby man yourself, you can probably tell who did okay. and didn't. Um, awesome. Yeah, no, no, you picked that one well. Uh, I was, I was, a, I was a rugby league nut as a kid, like that kid in school who, you know, people would be talking about it. And I've, you know, I've read the, the big league, the magazine beforehand and had all the statistics for the week and, you know, this is going to be so and so six hundred and sixty eighth goal, and I probably liked that up until that fourteen or fifteen. Uh, just genuinely super obsessed with it. You know, watching every game I could. Um, you know, I had uh, had all the my room was covered in posters and everything. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I dabbled when I was really young. You know, I was like under age. You know, got one season of soccer in and one season of touch before. Um, yeah, mum and dad were like, "Yeah, sweetie, you can play footy." Started in under elevens and and went through to under eighteens. Um, banged the knee up pretty bad, so sort of tried to come back in the next year, and it just wasn't going to happen. Um, had a partial ACL tear that the doctor decided to let it go on its own and recover. And yeah, I think that took. A good, I could be way off base, but it felt like it took a good two years to sort of come back. And yeah, I played a lot of um, a lot of touch footy in amongst that. Pretty much, it was a, mm. it was it, it was league all the way through uh, in terms of watching and and playing. It was uh, it was pretty cut and dry, really. Wow, that's awesome. Did you find like, oh, have you found 
having that like early obsession with rugby league and really understanding the game, then becoming an SNC coach and then coming back to rugby league as an SNC coach has really helped you and allowed you to connect to the players, understand how your SNC program helps uh, rugby athletes as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, I think it's it's part of it. A big part of it comes down to that that, that communication. Uh, how one might communicate. I, I can essentially, I I think anyway, try and communicate in the same language that you know an athlete or, or a teammate might. Uh, obviously, there's sort of you know social and age demographic things that I might not be up to speed with. But um, when talking about the sport to them, it's it's very hard to fake whether you genuinely understand a sport. Um, and people can can tell that. So having that that understanding of playing and having that understanding of what what it feels like, you know, getting hit and maybe not at, at that level. Uh, it still amazes me how fast and hard they can all move mm. and hit. But um, it's sort of you know every training session I watch them hit each other and be glad I didn't make it in a way. Mm. Uh, but yeah, having that understanding of it'd be like in in rugby, right? Like with with your rugby guys you've worked with before, if, if you have an understanding of what it's like getting hit and having eight guys dive over the top of you in a ruck, um, as opposed to just sort of having a concept of it, you know, if, if you know what it's been like or what it's like down in the bottom of that big pile, if you know what it's like with three guys that are 100 kilos trying to whack you, um, you can't really fake that. And so, yeah, I think having that that communication um, and having that understanding is is very beneficial and in terms of yeah even the basic stuff like queuing and right this is how we do this and this is why we do this very easy to just naturally snap in and relate it to in this context this happens guys are like oh shit yeah okay cool um and they go from there you know, if you can make someone believe in what they're doing then they're obviously going to take it a bit further um and if, if you believe in it and understand it yourself i think that's mm. that's that's a lot of steps along the road I think it's also those those little things we don't pay attention to, which is like mm. passing the passing the footy with your athlete, like it's, yeah. it's kicking the footy with your athlete, or it's just doing these little things that relate back to rugby league, rugby union, soccer. It doesn't matter what sport it is. If you can have, or you, you've tried and and worked on your passing, if you haven't been in rugby before, but if you can do all these little skills, and for a big one for me was is throwing the ball because I used to be a hooker. So yeah. certain times I'll go in and throw the ball into the line and they'll just look at me and be like, well, you actually can do that quite well. <laughs> yeah, I, I it, used to play rugby. It, it gives a, a little, it, I don't know if it should, but it does give a certain element of, I imagine you felt sort of a certain element of respect in that mm. point. Um, and yeah, it's, it's I've, you know, I imagine there were probably moments where with yourself, I I try and do this as well, where if, if something comes up, if you see a player doing a certain something and you think uh, you know i'm an ssa coach but that's a that's a skill component that i can fix the coaches have heaps on their plate if you go in and give them a tune-up or something like that they, they can tell if you know what you're talking about or not and if they yeah. go oh, okay this guy's actually done this then most good players will they don't care who it is if someone knows what they're doing they'll listen and they'll learn mm. i'm sure you've had something like that where you've you sort of yeah i suppose taken what you've done when you were playing and gone look this is how i do this instead yeah, it's so it's so sort of been like like a catch twenty two there. Like I remember being a bit younger, like five years ago, working with the Brumbies um, women's team. The coach at the time, I think, was more of a a backs coach. wasn't really a forwards coach, but was doing a lot more forward stuff. And we had a tens competition coming up, um, and the girls were playing up at Suncorp, and 
there was a few of them who didn't know how to pack down into a scrum. So that's where I took over and because I, I knew the, the coach didn't know anything about it. So I was like, I took over and gave some little um, skills and, and tips and all that and then throwing and all that. But it sort of shot me in the foot a bit because like a, a week or two later, I was doing something and the coach just had a massive go at me. It wasn't because of the skills thing, but it was more because I didn't give the girls a, a drinks break after like five minutes of conditioning because we're doing a back-to-back um, block. But I knew I might have gone too far with the skills a couple of weeks ago and just a couple of losses and just other external things. He saw me as sort of an easy target to just have a go at. So I think you gotta you gotta pick it well because this year with um, the Brumbies 18s was awesome because the the forwards coaches um, Pete and and Chigger allowed me to sort of help and chime in when I wanted to as well with scrummaging and lineouts. So I, I found that really well where I've I've really got a good relationship with these coaches and they trust what I'm doing as well. Whereas yeah, being a bit younger coach before I was probably going too far. So I think you really got to have that good relationship with your coach and really understand, are they allowing you to do it? Or do you really have to show that you do have a a knowledge and experience in the game and can actually help them as well? Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, you bring up a very good point there. I mean, it's, it's very important that you tread that line. I think appropriately, uh, you don't want to be, be overstepping mm. your bounce into the coach uh, because obviously, you know, how we'd both feel if if a coach sort of came in and tried to try to um, adjust how our guys are doing squats. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's it's important that it's, you only ever, if you genuinely have something to contribute in that space, you're only ever, um, you know, adding to and contributing to an area that that might might need it due to resources being applied elsewhere or just something mm. small and individual or, like you said, something really specific, like the, the scrummaging. Um, you know, I imagine, I imagine now, if, if that same situation came up, you'd probably have a, um, you, you might approach it a little bit differently. Um, yeah, I probably would have yeah. communicated with the coach a bit more. As like, I, I was only an assistant SNC at the time, so I really didn't have that sort of confidence. But if I had my time again, I would still do it. I'd just be better at communicating and talking to him. Can I? go do this and help these players because you're not providing the service to them. And it's a safety thing as well. Like these girls are going to go up against other players who know how to scrummage. And if they yeah. didn't know how to set up properly or get in there, they're just, it's, it's a, a safety risk. And it sort of comes back to another thing, which I experienced like three, three bit years ago now was returning athletes um, from injury into contact. And the head coach at the time, was short on numbers and these two girls had only done two um return to contact sessions and he's like yep they're good to go and i was like no no they're not like they've they're just not. done two basic um contacts uh areas and their skill skill wise they just and technique wise they they don't have it yet and they're not confident or anything like that so it sort of comes back to like i think as an snc coach don't see yourself as just an snc coach you're also there to make sure that players are ready to perform and and safety as well. So I had to stand up to this coach and he we had a pretty good, pretty good uh, go at each other and he was getting really aggressive. So and I, I just had to put my foot down and say no, these players aren't ready to go. Safety wise, they they're gonna hurt themselves. The mm. technique's not there. The confidence isn't there. I don't care if you you're short on numbers. Like I'm putting them them before the team because at the end of the day they're just gonna hurt themselves again and probably make it worse. So. I think it's don't see yourself as just an SNC coach. You really got to make sure that you can um, step up when the time 
like when you need to and make sure play safety is is um a massive um you know just in 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 the forefront of your mind because you don't want to yeah, rush players back and then they get hurt and then it comes back onto you as well yeah i think especially especially in a context where you know a lot of a lot of snc's will be in a context where they might not have a, a medical team uh, or mm-hmm. someone in that sense uh, I've, I've been pretty fortunate in that i sort of always had um throughout most of my career there's been like a dedicated physio and rehab crew there also which i know is for the level i've been at quite quite rare which has really been really good um I, i'd say yeah i've certainly had to lend lend my voice in that sense of nah probably i don't, know, don't think this um player is is quite ready but mm. always had very very good um rehabbers and uh and physios on that sense who have sort of put their foot down and said no no, no this is where we should be but uh at the same time um I, I yeah i do feel very fortunate in that i've never really encountered an issue like the one you said before where there's been a coach who's gone too far one end um mm-hmm. uh it, you know it, it it might sound a bit sort of wishy-washy to say but the coaches i've worked with so far have been very much player safety first and foremost um so I've sort of had, I guess, the opposite end to, to that situation uh, where I've gone, yeah. It's probably just a rugby union thing, mate. Who knows? Yeah, no, it, it, it's. I, I'm sure I'm just in a in a, in a fortunate situation because you hear this sort of thing um, come up come up all the time uh, when you're talking to coaches. Oh, you know, so on, so this, but um, yeah, I've 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 always been, I think, in a in a good space uh, in that sense. Um, obviously, you you see it and hear it, even just other teams on the sideline and stuff. You go, that bloke just got knocked out and stayed down for seven, eight seconds without moving. Now you put him out there. Um, you say that with, with opposition and such. And, and again, I mean, I don't know what, what was going on on the sideline. Maybe world's greatest doctor said, hey, that guy can go out. But sometimes you see other teams send an 18-year-old kid out there with big issues and you just... Yeah, you got, you got, to, you got to be that. If you need to, I think that voice of reason. Yeah, but I've, I've I've been pretty fortunate in never having to really, really step up and and fight any battles there because there hasn't been too much in the way of battles to fight. Mm. No, that's good. Yeah. I, I, it's probably good that you haven't because it means you have got a really good um, team there, and everyone understands they're putting the players first before um, the team as well, and making sure that everyone's ready to go and they're not putting the team first. If that makes sense, like it's a team sport. Mm. I I. It, Everything we do is for the team, but there's sometimes you're you need to put the player above the team and make sure that their safety and welfare um, it comes first. Yeah, well, like you said, it's it's a team sport, but you know the individual has a life to live as well. Um, mm. So you know if, if it's ever going to be something that causes them an issue, either the short term or long term, I think it's you know, we, we've always tried to and I've always tried to take that holistic approach. You know, like. If this, you know, if this player is going to be able to go forth and play a game, and yeah, they might be in a little bit of discomfort, but there's no risk of, you know, of further damage or, or of any significant damage. Um, if it's just, you know, a bruise or something like that, yeah. Doc says it's cool. Medic, you know, sorry, physio says it's cool. All right, I trust him. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if, if there's ever a risk of, uh, you know, look, this player is going to go out and bust something up, you know, like it's. NRL or Super Rugby Grand Final, maybe you make the player let that call. But, uh, yeah, I think in, in, in all the situations I've been in, it's always very much been uh, player welfare first. Uh, we got, you know, more to consider than, than than just the result. And I don't think anyone wants to be the coach, SSC coach, physio, or anyone who throws a player out there and 
I guess has to live with the consequences of something going wrong. Hundred mm, percent. I think we've probably talked about that uh, subject a bit too much. So we're moving on. So <laughs> when did you decide you wanted to become an SNC coach, and was it always an area of interest? And can you speak a little bit about your coaching journey as well? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of an interesting one for me. I I I'm very loose because I was always like I said, always a rugby league guy. Um, I remember when I was about. 12 or 13, having a a very loose discussion with my dad about it, um, saying, like, I've heard about this strength and conditioning job. And I remember him going to, he had a, he had a mate of his who happened to have a mate who was an AIS SNC coach. And anyway, he just managed to get, he asked a question to him of, is that an actual career path? How does it go? What is it? Um, and the answer I got back as a 12 or 13 year old was, you know, it's, it is a career path, but it's very hard to get into. There's, I heard there's only a couple of hundred um, in Australia. Maybe I heard it as the world when I was a kid. I don't know. Um, I was like, oh, wow, that'd be tough. It sounds really lucky to get into and just sort of, I guess, forgot about it. And then, um, yeah, basically what happened with, with, with me becoming an SNC coach is I knew I wanted to work in sport as soon as you know I did my knee and realised I was a five foot six injured football player and probably not. Six foot five, did you say? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, um, I was. Um, I think I remember my last year of under eighteen, just local level. I was um, giving away fourteen kilos to the next biggest bloke on the team. It was, um, yeah, it was bad. Uh, I was a small bloke, but uh, anyway, I, I, I sort of figured, look, I'm probably not going to make it there, but I knew I wanted to be involved in sports somehow. Uh, so I knew it would be in exercise science or something in that sporting. What we do. Um, and I just, I went, looked up all the unis, was going to do physio, but ended up going to UC because I saw they had a really good, uh, University of Canberra, sorry, saw they had a really good uh, intern program where they would, they had all this list of, you know, the fancy badges, um, you know, basketball teams, rugby's were on there, Canberra Raiders, so on and so forth. And I thought, man, I'm already in Canberra, um, try and get an internship with one of these guys and hopefully the Raiders and the league guy. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll see what comes of it. And you happened to get into that. And, and, and I thought I would go into it. And I'd honestly expected to be more on the maybe sports science, GPS numbers side of things, performance analysis or something of the sort, not knowing exactly, you know, what the various branches of high performance were and how roles worked. I just thought I'd probably be sitting there at a computer and whacking numbers in and watching sports. Um and then yeah, when 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 I, I took on that internship, I just I just found myself more and more drawn to the the gym side and the S and C side of it, and just sort of started noticing over it. it lasted about eighteen months. Over that time, that everything I did was just I just gravitated towards that. You know, I wanted to I wanted to be the guy helping in the gym. I wanted to take the rehab guys through through their programs. Um, you know, I I I, I really was fascinated by, you know, you can make a cue or do something, make some small change here, and then four months down the track, it's visibly noticeable here. You can go, this this effect came from that. Uh, and, you know, you could see the the difference in the effect that the, the S&C role had on the players. And you could see the respect and care that the players had for the S&C coaches who gave them that time and effort. And, um, and yeah, I suppose I don't know when exactly it was that I just went, yeah, cool, this is what I want to do. But it was at some point in there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I 
that's 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 pretty much it um from there to get to actually having a coaching role when i was in that internship when i was sort of halfway through it i started a, a personal training company and just did that myself um and that's i've been doing that ever since it's got a little bit of a different hat now a little bit of a different branding and whatnot different focus more of a performance snc focus uh but so i started that pt business there while i was interning and then um Basically, after my internship ended, I had probably about six, seven, eight months, I guess you could say, in the wilderness, just out of sport, just doing my doing my own thing and got a call up saying, look, the under, it was under-16s at the time, under-16s team needs an SSC coach. Started pre-season two weeks ago. Whoever was doing it bailed for personal reasons. Can you jump in? So throwing in the deep end, I went, yep, sweet. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it's been... Um, it's that's, that's that's pretty much been uh been it there's been um like i said been doing my own private stuff for quite a while but there's uh in that time i went one year with under 16s and then went straight into under 18s which a bit more of a serious program that's when you're starting to really recruit some guys uh from interstate international all that sort of thing and uh that was i i, I really enjoyed that i spent five years with under 18s which turned into under 19s in amongst that, there was obviously COVID and everything like that. And we had a couple of interesting seasons where I assisted with the under 20s squad and sort of put my hand up here and there and did what I could. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and yeah, then that's led to led to today of being in the under 21s, which is, um, which is obviously very exciting because whenever I think you take a step up, it sort of feels like you're starting fresh in a way. 100%. Apologies if you can hear the... Uh... Whip the I think it's the whippersnipper going on in the background. I don't know how much the the mic picks up or not, so we'll just have to wait to the end of the, the episode. A bit. So, <laughs> a bit. Yeah, the old next, right. yeah, the old, editing skills. The old next door neighbor is uh, decided right now is the time to to get the whippersnipper out. So you've been an SNC coach for many years now. What is your current coaching philosophy, and how has this sort of changed um, over your time from going, let's say, with the under sixteens to now with the uh, under twenty ones? It's um, my philosophy is is essentially that everything starts from the rep itself. Um, it's it's maybe not something that that a lot of people focus on too hard, but. I I sort of noticed early days, uh, and this this could well be to do with the the guys who mentored me, who I started under. Uh, the approach I I took took from them, um, Nigel Ashley Jones and Lee Woodridge Woodbridge were two of the guys that that obviously mentored me and, and worked with me a lot when I was a young young coach. Um, but I I I come at things from an approach of it's it's rep first, and we build the program out. Uh, I see lots and lots of coaches who have very good, very smart coaches have way more programming and technical knowledge perhaps than I do. Uh, but then I'll watch, say, how their athlete is squatting maybe, and I'll go, there's there's so much that you're leaving on the table there. There is so much quality and intensity and just everything we're trying to get out of it. There's so much that's being left on the table. So for me, and it might come back from, might come from also being, PT and working one-on-one or one-on-two with people for the last eight, nine, ten years of everything. Obviously, we have sort of an hour each together. I can take the time to really focus on, okay, let's, I don't want to say perfect it because you're never going to perfect it, but let's get that movement as close to like 
bloody beautiful and almost perfect as we can and understanding intensity levels and, and how we move. But for me, it starts from the rep. So if it doesn't matter if the program is custard, if someone's lifting with genuine intensity and genuine quality and mechanically everything is as bang on as it's going to get, that for me is what tends to lack in a lot of folks' programs who may not have had so much hands-on experience. And it only comes from, I think, hands-on experience, uh, being able to adjust someone's movement and cue them and get them moving and, and understanding and believing in what you're saying in that the, the rep itself is is the core and the crux of what we do. You know, if someone's RDL isn't, I'd probably hop on about that too much. But I suppose what I can say there in terms of the philosophy is it's probably just sharpened over the years rather than changed. Uh, you know, I always sort of came at things from an approach of, righty, I'll, I'll get this program good and I'll, I'll, I'll learn that and I'll understand that. And, and I didn't, it's, it's obviously an ongoing process. Uh, but I always hone in on this is how we're doing it or how we're at least thinking about it. This is why I want you to do it or think of it in this way. And this is what I want you to understand about, about the movement. Uh, if an athlete understands why and how, what they're doing, then the intensity of that is going to be, you know, at a level that, that we want, that's going to actually make a genuine, genuine difference. Um, does that, does that make sense where I'm coming from from there? Or was that a little bit? No, it uh, does. Up in the air? And it just reminds me of a book I read with about Pete Carroll, SNC, uh, not sorry, not SNC, head coach yeah. of Seattle Seahawks, um, talking about his philosophy, but then he has sort of like subcategories. And one of the yeah. subcategories is every single rep counts. And mm -hmm. it just fits perfectly into what you said. Every time that we're getting under the bar or have some dumbbells or even just lifting your body weight, every rep needs to count because you only have a small limited time and amount of sessions during the week to be ready to perform out there on game day or to get your body right in pre-season for then when the in-season comes. So if every rep counts and you're doing a really good job and making sure that you're lifting with really, really good form, you're going to maximize your time there. And if you can maximize your time when you're a junior, when you get to the senior level and really want to push up to higher honors, you get, you're really going to excel. So every rep counts. Yeah, and I think I think like you just mentioned, coming from that relatively junior perspective, I think that could well be again another part of why I come at it from that every rep counts. Um, sort of, I guess as hard as I do, because for me, every everything compounds right over time, and you 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 can see the difference. I mean, I've seen many guys come through in sixteens, whether they're seventeen or eighteen, whatever, um, and you know there'll be two or three players who are we'll call them the same level, or maybe this player is more talented or more highly skilled and they just go through the motions in the gym and these guys believe in every rep and they take every rep proper serious and they listen and they learn and they engage. And then, you know, two years later, these guys haven't moved and these guys are, like you say, knocking on the door of higher honors. And it's because they've treated every rep with the same, I guess, reverence and respect that they would treat a pass or a kick or something that they're doing out on the field, you know, you don't just go through the motions in terms of any skill and get better at it, but also you don't do that in terms of the intensities that you need um, out of your drills. I think there's too much in the way of going through the motions or just do the program. Um, you know, I'd rather have a program that looks like scramble custard, but everything is done beautifully and everything is done well. 
Um, so for, for me, for me, the philosophy is it, it, it starts from the rep and how, how I apply that in terms of what I do um, you know, program wise, it's, that's changed and, and progressed over the years. Um, you know, I was probably a bit too early days. I was, you know, I guess, like most S&C coaches, I try and get every little possible bucket in there I can. You know, sessions have bloody 18 exercises, things like that. Um, that's 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 tightened up very considerably over the years. That's, you know, I'm, I'm much more of a you know, big rock sort of guy right now. Hit your real real big ticket items and, um, and do those really, really well. And you're going to be 80, 90% of the way there. And we'll um, we'll nail down the rest of it in and around that. But yeah, get your big moving patterns right. Get them right genuinely with intensity, and um, and yeah, you're most of the way. Hundred percent. I love that. So besides having every single rep counts, and it's a massive focus in the gym. Is there any other sort of a uh, note keys to having a successful S and C program in rugby league that, that you can think of off the top of your head? There are. Um, hard to articulate in neat, snazzy sentences, I reckon. Um, or maybe I'm just not good at that. But uh, for me, for me, working working with the coaches and and getting the putting your programs, putting putting your workloads in certain things in the right places, is key. Uh, you know, when 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 you sort of start off, it's you know, oh, everything, probably big intensity needs to be done. Big intensity, high intensities and high neural loads needs to be done early. You know, you think of it like that. Uh, of oh, you know, I need to do my deadlift squats and my so deadlift first and my back squats first and all of that. But if your coach's biggest day is the Monday and that's when they're doing say an opposed session and they're playing a, a game simulation, there's going to be very very heavy intense running loads and sprinting and so on and so forth. Maybe you need to take a back step with that strength program in the morning maybe you just do upper body on that day and switch to a upper lower split or something like that um so i suppose that's just an example but one of them for me is i don't want to say coach management because you're not managing the coach but managing your program around the football or the sports side of things i think that's something that a lot of snc coaches we try and build it from our side of things and let the football work around it but ultimately it's a football or a sports program whatever that's going to be is what that's going to be. So make sure that yours fits into those gaps nicely. Um, in terms of rugby league, uh, one of the, one of the big ones for me is, is um, making sure now this, this, this might be, again, someone, someone smarter than me might come in and say, you're talking out of your ass here, but I've noticed one of the biggest differences in terms of uh soft tissue injuries and actually you're missing games being available for games and when i've really put the focus the last three or four years on as i said it all starts from get the rep right but get every aspect of the rep right when i've really made sure that everyone is competent and strong in the eccentric range of almost everything the soft tissue injuries it could be coincidence but i haven't had too much in the way of hamstring quad or calf or groin actually miss games um in the last few years um Obviously, there's obviously some you can't prevent everything, but for me, having that quality eccentric with with most everything um, is is a pretty big part. That you see a lot of a lot of guys just that come through the ranks, come from different clubs, train themselves, whatever. Yeah, they might be powerful with a bench or powerful with a pull up or something like that. But if you ask them to slow the thing down, they've got no chance. Uh, we're talking everything, like calf raises, RDLs, of course. Um, 
big eccentric component or focus for me. Uh, make sure that the posterior chain in rugby league is very solid. Uh, obviously, as in rugby, very rapid um, excels and decels and the like. Um, the other element for me as well in rugby league is is, is shoulders. Uh, do you get you know, a lot of shoulder troubles in, in rugby union? Yeah, especially around that AC joint. Um, doesn't really take much. And I think this year with the under-19s, we, we, we had quite a few, um, but just from like previous um, injuries and they've just re-aggravated as well. So mm. there's there's definitely some some shoulder injuries and it's definitely a key focus in our program, especially around our, say, movement prep, prehab type things or just any work-ons. We're really trying to make sure that um, our shoulders are nice and robust. And as the term I like to use, we're, we're trying to make boulders. You know, we're trying to make those shoulders nice big boulders so that they can take the um, the force and impacts from rugby and, and athletes can be um, safe and, or be, and, and be able to perform as well. Yeah, I um I like that. I agree. It's uh for me, you got to make sure that the shoulders are are cued in um and are, and are really, I guess you said robust. Um, I I tend to use the word resilient or have resilience in them. Same thing. Uh, but yeah, so for me, it's posterior chain. Work your training around and your schedule around. Work with your coach. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have a really good, really good set of relationships there. Of you know, it's, it's a collaborative approach. But um, work with your coach and really aim up on the eccentric work and make sure the posterior chain is is on point. I guess the other thing, other thing for me, um, not to have too many keys, uh, is I like to start the speed work relatively early. Um, I don't know, there's some coaches that go, yeah, of course, but early in my career, I tended to sort of really slowly build the speed work up throughout a preseason and sort of only really start kicking it in a month out. Uh, much more a fan of Depends on whatever the system is now, but much more a fan of of bring some form of speed change of direction work in very early and just make that a staple of what we do um, every single week. And and I found it much much easier to uh, manage and navigate hamstrings and other soft tissues by doing that. Hi everyone, we just wanted to take a break from this episode. We hope you are enjoying this episode so far, and also all the content we have produced. We appreciate all the support from our listeners and followers so far. If you haven't already, sign up to Elite Rugby SNC newsletter today. We provide you free, exclusive content each and every single week to our subscribers. Link in the bio. Remember to like, subscribe, and share Elite Rugby SNC on social media to all your friends and families. So thanks again for your support, and now back to the episode. Hundred percent, and players got have to know when when we start preseason, we're starting hard and, and fast you know and if you yeah. haven't prepared yourself then that that's on you so you, you really got to make sure that you, your athletes know what's expected of them and how to prepare but yeah if you can maximize your speed and change direction and agility work from the start all the way through the preseason, when that in season comes along you're you're ready to go whereas yeah. if you're leaving it sort of to that last month um and really kicking it yeah, it's probably going to take an extra month or two for you to really see the benefits of that. And then in season, you really have to play around with fatigue management as well. So yeah, I, I really love that approach. And sometimes it just takes you as a coach time to learn that. You might think, yeah, I want to slow things and slowly gradually build up. And I've done the exact same. And then the next year I'm like, oh, I probably should, I could probably got to start them a lot higher 
mm. like you know and a bit more intense and, and challenge them a bit more but those are the things you just got to learn as a coach and, and make sure that you're paying attention to your playing group and making sure that they your athletes know what's expected of them as well each and every session so that they can recover get all the uh, hydration nutrition doing everything that they need to do in their sleep and make sure that they come ready for for each and every session yeah absolutely i think it's um i think as long like you said those the player expectations is probably is one of the keys there um communicating communicating that to the guys and girls i think is is really important i think yeah when when starting as a young coach you sort of uh or, or i did at least when i was um first first on uh you'd sort of worry about breaking players um so you know i was a bit too i don't say gentle he had a good year and um he didn't have too much in the way of injuries but yeah like you say you could probably usually go maybe that little bit harder and it's fine in that point where you know maybe a few guys are getting a little bit troubled but you're not breaking anyone you're just finding that point where you can manage it and and helping manage um and keep them at that point where yeah come season it's going to feel like a breeze because they've, they've they've reached a higher point than that yeah, so, mm. so as long as long as as long as everyone's you know as, as safe as you can get and still making that 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 really good progress, I think happy days. So yeah, to sort of turn the heat up a little bit more, and yeah, you play around with that the longer you the longer you're in the in the game, and the longer you're um yeah the more the more comfortable you are with with managing and and making sure that the guys are healthy. Hundred mm, percent. So when you're not playing or coaching, sorry, I was going to say playing. When you're not coaching, what do you like to do in your spare time? Is there any sort of like TV shows? You got sort of, I know there's a lot of books behind you, as I can yeah. see in the video. Is there any certain hobbies that you like to do? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. Obviously, like you sort of allude to, I do read a lot. It's um, it's uh, a bit of a mix of everything. Uh, in terms of in terms of hobbies, I obviously have a few, but. The last probably couple of years, um, really sort of kicking things, not kicking things, but pushing things forward business-wise um, and in terms of Raiders working football as well. Um, there's not not heaps of spare time. I've gotten pretty into the, the Formula One recently. Um, you know, the old Netflix shows really sort of piqued my interest in that, as it has, I think, for a lot of people. Um, I follow that a bit, but that's only occasional on weekends, so that's not too much of a stress. Um Obviously, spend a, a fair bit of time with um, spend a fair bit of time with my partner, and we do a bit of all sorts of things. Uh, but yeah, so there's there's the reading side of things. Um, I'm a big sport guy, big American sport, love uh, American football. So if I'm watching things or if it's on TV, it's it's probably that. Um, and yeah, in terms of your your TV shows and the like, it's it's generally going to be just uh, the, the sort of standard. Netflix surfing type thing. Um, throw it on while while I'm doing something, uh, doing some work. Uh, have done a fair whack of yeah, like recreational running and whatnot in the past. Not recently. Um, sort of did it a bit again during COVID, like everyone did. But nah, man. Aside from that, it's um, I'm uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not too colourful. It's uh, yeah, it's um, it's pretty simple. I don't I don't need to get too fancy, too complicated. Um. At this point, you know, I enjoy enjoy what I do very much on the on the day to day, and um, you know, I've got good people around me, so for the most part, that's that's all I need at this stage. Awesome, mate. And people probably don't want to hear me elaborate on the NFL, spoken about it many times on the podcast, so I won't. But it's it's interesting that you noted Formula One because I saw something on TikTok um, the other day with Verstappen, and how I think it was recently. Um, 
they wanted him to allow the other his driver to go past him and he's like no i'm not going to do that because they, they they wanted to finish one and two um towards the end of the season because obviously that's a goal if you are in the the um the sponsorship rights and all that and the staff was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not letting him pass. I've told you guys at the start of the year, I have my reasons. And I was like, wow, like what, what a shit teammate that is. And we, we go back to talking about teammates. Like that's a perfect example. It was like, you, you got to put the team above you. Like, don't be so selfish like that. And I, I just, that opened my eyes because all, all I've heard from Verstappen and, and people talking about it is like, he's the, one of the best to, to do it. He's awesome. He's such a high performer. And then I saw that. And I'm just like, wow, like that's just told me everything that I need to know about you. <laughs> it's interesting. Hey, did you, um, do you, do you follow it at all yourself or was it no, just that? No. So do you have any of the backstory around that? Like, Not really. No. So essentially, now again, I've only followed it sort of this year and watched the show through probably three or four times. Uh, but from what my understanding is, um, the previous year when Verstappen won, maybe it was the first year, he's won the, won the world title twice. Um, the first year he did it essentially was only on the back of Perez's help, his teammates' help. Like Perez's job was on the last race, he basically was just a pest to Lewis Hamilton and just blocked him and held him back and let Verstappen get, you know, a lead or catch up or whatever it may have been. So, mm. and it's funny, there's all these articles coming out of you know the list of times that Perez directly helped Verstappen to get that, get those two championships. Um, and yeah, I don't know how much you saw of it, and they said it's all swept under the rug, and oh yeah, everything's fine. But and he was dirty. Mm. Um, this, I think there's one race to go, and now Perez and the other bloke Leclerc are, are tied on points. Um, so now it's just a straight shootout. But yeah, I, I I don't know what the difference is between sixth and seventh, but I think it's it's a couple of points. And mm. uh, Verstappen's already won the title; he wasn't going to win the race. Mm. So yeah, let let your boy in. Um, there's obviously yeah. more to it. I don't know. I could go yeah. on about it for a while. It's it's fascinating to me. Yeah. And it's just for, for me, it comes back to just your ego and, and and probably something I've spoken on the podcast before is is just get get over yourself. Like mm. don't don't put your ego above the team or, or above the situation and really make sure that you're doing the best that you can for the team. And yeah, just just get over your ego. Like it, it's it's such a dangerous um thing for everyone and you you just limit yourself in certain areas and, and obviously you're learning as well. Like as coaches and say for the ACA conference, if you go up there thinking that you're the best coach in, in Australia or in the world mm. or in, in the thing that you do and a younger coach can't really teach me much or the person who's above me, I'm better than them. Like if your ego um, puts you in that situation, like you got to get over yourself because you can learn from other people and other coaches and as as we talked about in sport, like you, if you put your ego above the team, I really don't want you in my team, to be honest. Yeah, I think a hundred percent. I agree. I think the the biggest, um, you know, the smartest person in the world can learn something from the dumbest, um, and that, that 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 transfers. That's vice versa, of course, um, and that that goes anywhere. So, I guess it doesn't matter how smart you think you are. I guess if you think you're really smart, you're probably not. um but yeah like like you said any anyone can learn from anyone i think anyone should should take that that Mm. open mind you never know what someone has to teach you or or what you can learn like i've I've learned more from my athletes and then yeah i've I've probably taught myself Mm. i love that so you've had the opportunity to work with uh, to coach many great athletes who have gone on to the nro level what has helped them to get to that next level and 
why did they make it over other players? It's a really interesting one that I think I think in, in our space something that a lot of people um, don't consider enough is number one thing is is talent and ability. Um, yeah, some some guys were always going to make it. Uh, guys that, but then there's those guys who had to work for it. Um, so for for me, the the biggest thing that that got those players through to the NRL is they genuinely developed uh, whether it was a passion or whether it was just a determination, we'll call it a passion. They developed a passion for the process and it was every single bit of the process. It wasn't just going on the field. Yeah. I'll do my hour and a half of extras and, you know, I'll, I'll kick a hundred balls at the pad. There was that part of that, of course, but we'll take that football side out of it. They developed a passion for the process. So every single rep was what we talked about before done as though that was the only thing that mattered. Because at the time, it was the only thing that mattered. Uh, when they're talking to coaches, when they're talking to other people at a club, when they're talking to anybody, that's the only thing that matters at the time to them. Uh, when they're doing their their recovery or their, their sleep, that's all that matters. So they're making sure they're getting their eight hours of sleep. Every single aspect of their life is geared around, I'm going to play NRL and that's what matters. So that's what they do. Any free time they have or anything on the back end of that is on the back end of that. They've got to get their priorities straight, and those are the guys that that tend to make it. Um, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to single anybody out, but some guys are elitely talented footballers and are going to make it pretty much regardless of what they do, but they're the extreme rarity. Um, I haven't had any of those come through that were just pure talent without any hard work. Every one of mine's also had to put that work in and it's obviously the, the, the gym and the SNC side of it plays a part, but all we can do is facilitate what they want to do and how they want to apply things. Um, but for me, for me, for me, it's a headspace thing. It's not, you know, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're quicker. Cause when you get to that point, everyone's big, strong, quick. Uh, for me, it's, it's a headspace thing. You can see by the way that they approach what they do, the way they approach other people. Everything's about becoming a better footballer or a better person. And then they let the rest of it take care of himself. Whether they make it or not, they just want to be better. And these are the same sort of people that generally speaking, the ones that make it, they're very, very similar that I've found anyway, in my experience to, you know, that you could put them in any situation and within two years, they'd probably be an elite business person or, you know, an excellent um, doctor or something like that. Uh, they're the guys and girls who, yeah, every step of the process, it's process driven is more what I'm getting at. They're not going, radio. I want to get to, yeah, they want to get to the NRL, but then they're going, I want to play 50 games. I want to do this. I want to do that. So I want to get better at my squat, right? Like, oh, we're on field now. Passing is what I'm trying to get better at. Um, you know, oh, we're in video. Okay. Like, what what can I better learn or understand from from this? Um yeah, so for me, that's that's it for me, is that they're genuinely process-driven and that's what, what fuels them. Mm, no, I love that. And just sort of reminds me of a couple of athletes now who are playing up in, in Super Rugby and they they fit everything that you just said. And it's, it's awesome to see that. And then something I'd add on to it is they also love the game and they, they love mm. having fun with the game as well. So they don't see it as 
I know it's it's a chore or anything like it's it's just they're playing it because their parents made them play it like they are playing it because they love and and generally love that playing the game and having fun and, and playing with their teammates as well like and just one of the guys who's who just signed a first his first ever professional contract um, with the Brumbies I just remember playing club rugby and he, there was a certain time where he I don't know he wasn't enjoying his rugby as much so when I was on the sideline carrying the water and being one of the sports trainer I would ask him during the game hey you having fun and there was a couple of times when he was really serious and he looks at me and we're like oh yeah shit, I gotta remember to have fun and then when he we thought we started to get some better performances he was having fun and I'd ask him and he's like yeah I'm having fun like it was just reminding him of that enjoyment because he got too focused and zoned in on wanting to make that push for the next level he forgot to enjoy the process and, and enjoy being around his teammates and just enjoying getting better and then when I, when I think he he had that balance of I want to make it but I also want to have some fun along the way I think that's really allowed him to then get this opportunity with the Brumbies and potentially have his first cap um, this upcoming season. Nice. That's really cool. I think that's, I think that's important, right? Like enjoyment for me is part of the process and you can see that that's built into what, what the, what the best guys and girls do. So the way that he was able to sort of flip that and tune that to where, where you guys wanted it to be. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's important because if you're not enjoying it and having fun, I, I can talk about the process all I want, but in and amongst that, yeah, these guys, like everyone's got to remember that they're there because they love the game, uh, and that 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 is what you're all. You should always have that. If you're not loving the game, you're not going to love the other stuff. But if you love that game enough, then it's so much easier to just become that process driven and be that process driven person because everything's leading towards something that you love. Hundred percent. So, what advice do you have for athletes out there looking for a reliable S and C program? As in, uh, like one one to sort of like purchase or to come in. Yeah, pretty much. Just like there's, I I might be in a, a space or where where I don't have access to to quality coaching, so I'm looking to find a good SNC program. Or I'm in an area with heaps of coaches. How do I select that a coach that could really help me? First of all, I'd say look at B Better Performance or J Free uh, Performance. Sneaky um, plug. I'd say look at J <laughs> J Free Performance. You know, um, <laughs> no, it's a it's an interesting one, hey, because it's 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 very um, I don't want to say easy, but it's very marketable thing. Um, S and C and 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 sport. What I would suggest is it's hard for young coaches, but what I suggest for athletes looking for a program is find someone who has genuine credentials and when i say genuine credentials <clears throat> excuse me i don't mean um necessarily degrees and all that like it's great but it's not not hugely relevant what my suggestion is is find someone whose athletes have achieved sustained success and when i say sustained success i'm not talking about you know yeah they've had one big dog who's gone on to play 20 nrl games or 30 nrl games or something like that um because maybe they just lucked into that what I'm talking about is have they taken whether it whether they specify down on one nation like they're a hockey SNC or whether they go broad and they take it to any sort of sport. You need to be able to see that over a period of years they've taken people from all sorts of different demographics. You know, maybe the scrawny young hockey player to the big bulky semi pro to the guy who's already played the Olympics. Have they taken a whole broad range of people and made them better 
over a long period of time. So if they can do that and they just put that out there and say, yep, these are my athletes, you can train with me or you don't have to, that's fine. If they're not putting a hard sell on you and they have that sustained level of success and helping their athletes, then I would suggest that's someone who you probably want to go to because they know they're good at what they do and they are good at what they do. And if they're not really, really hardly pushing the sell, they probably don't need your money either. So they're not going to desperately try and get your business. They're just going to do what's best for you. Um, so in the in the private um, field, that's for if you're trying to find a coach. And the same, same thing applies for for, um, for programs. Right? If you're trying to buy a program and you go, there's someone who just says, you know, I've worked at a, I've done a primary school PE degree. Like that's obviously a very important role. I'm not, not diminishing that, but that's probably not someone that you want to buy a, you know, high performance program for an elite um, lacrosse player from. So find someone who's genuine, find a program where the coach has genuine sustained success at the level that you're trying to get to. There's no point you working with a coach who has only worked to here if you're trying to get to here. Is essentially what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, I, I could talk honestly for hours on that, um, being in that sort of, as, as you are, um, I suppose, selling things. And we're in, in a field where there's, there's a lot of people out there who probably shouldn't be selling or marketing things as they do. Um, so it's a bit of a minefield. Um, just trying to take the safest looking path you can, figure out what you want to, like where you want to get to. And yeah, I guess find find the coach that has trodden that path with people before. Mm, 100%. And I'd probably just add on that, like to see if that there's no like fluff around that coach. Like, are they posting stuff that looks really too good to be true? Or they're saying, do this and I'll guarantee that. Like, yeah, I, I, I promise you the, the good coaches out there that will never say that. It's like, if we do this and do this program, it's going to help you get there. But we're never guaranteeing, guaranteeing you to do this to get that outcome. Like, it just doesn't work like that. But yeah, just, just if there's a bit of fluff around them, um, just maybe move on or, or maybe ask a coach that you've you've worked with in the past because you'll say you're in Sydney, but now you've moved down to Canberra, like see if they know anyone and you could ask, is this coach actually good at what they do? No, they're not. Sweet, go see this one as well. So I think there's, there's many things that you can do to find out if they're actually a good coach and someone for you. But yeah, I would say don't go with someone who you just don't get a good vibe for and just, yeah. just trust your gut feeling and, Again, to, to anyone listening, if you are looking for a program or a coach, like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be our program or Jared's program. Like, if you want to reach out, reach out to us and see if we can help find you a, a good program or we might know a coach that we refer you on to as well because mm -hmm. I can't train everyone and I don't want to train everyone. I only want to train the people who think that we can help them, you know? So, and there's many different sports and everything out there that I don't really... Uh, go into so but if you need help with picking a coach reach out we're, we're more than happy to help you along with that process yeah absolutely i think that's that's important right like if it's we, we can't no no coach can train everyone uh, so if someone's trying to if they go are you a bang 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 and list every single kind of athlete or person in the world and then say this program's for you it's it's, it's probably not you know, like you said, we can't train everybody. So we want to train and work with and provide programs to people who 
need them and who will get something out of them. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Mm. So what advice do you have out there for SNC coaches wanting to work in rugby league? Um, it's tough to get into. Um, my biggest bit of advice would be have some sort of coaching going outside of that. So whether like I'm pretty fortunate, right? I started a, a PT business that kicked off pretty well. I've been able to coach throughout the day um, all the way through, get that hands-on experience. My biggest thing is you, you'll need – you'll need hands-on genuine coaching experience. Um, like I said, the degrees and the coursework is great, but it's very, very difficult to get into a program without um, having some sort of hands-on experience. Um, generally speaking, you're, you're going to probably need to take on some sort of an internship or voluntary work with a, with a local club, uh, which, which I think is great. My biggest bit of advice is just get your hands on a team. Uh, and make sure that you are able to get real coaching reps in, whether that's as an intern uh, at, at a club, like a big club, or an intern at a small club, or you just reach out to a, a local footy club and say, hey, I'm an SNC coach. Um, you know, can I um, train your guys for half an hour twice a week? Um, find yourself an environment where you can you can make mistakes um, coaching, coaching in a team environment. It's very different if you run a group fitness class or something at a gym. It's very different. It has its own challenges, but it's very different to running, you know, a, a local squad of you might have fifteen guys show up one day, five guys the next, and forty-five the next day. As I'm sure you've had some experience with as well. Um, my biggest thing is get the coaching reps. So find a team that you can work with, whether it's intern or not, um, and then, mate, from there, it's honestly just be as helpful as you can and and be the best genuine genuine person that you can have your athletes best interests at heart i know it sounds a bit wishy-washy but if you don't genuinely care about the athletes and the club and what you're doing people notice uh, and people it's it's dead easy to tell if someone's in a rugby league SNC program for themselves um you know versus the people who love it but they're in it for the benefit of everyone else around them so yeah, I suppose I don't know how actionable as such that is necessarily immediately. It's not necessarily a pathway, but find yourself um, yeah, a rugby league team to work with. Volunteer your time. As much as we all want to get paid, you're probably going to need to volunteer your time. If you can get something paid, sweet, go for it. But volunteer your time and don't be shy about asking the question. It's probably the biggest thing. If you find like, cool, I really want to work with this team, find a coach on LinkedIn, find them on social media, and even just put the question to them and say, look, can I um, can I potentially come and just see what you do, whether it's internal or not? Can I see what you do for a week or a day or something like that? You know, I've, I've had I had that before many times. I'm sure you have as well. And and a lot of the times you're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to help, but we can at least try and steer you in the right direction. I'll give you a bit of advice. Um, generally, S and C coaches, as you well know, uh, Kieran, are very. I, I suppose we're trying to be helpful to our own. So, yeah, if there's someone who's interested in what we do, uh, people in league are almost always going to be happy to um, try and give them a hand somehow. Mm. There's only so many opportunities in rugby league to be an SNC coach that gets paid. And then mm. especially when it comes down to amateur and semi-professional, there's only so many opportunities. So you're probably going to have to start off with a volunteering role, you know, yeah, and, 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 and not get paid. But 
you have to create that opportunity to get paid. And if you've already done the work and trialed and tested programs and changed your sort of philosophy and all these little systems that you got in place, when you get that opportunity to potentially get paid for the role that you're doing, you're ready to go instead of the opposite, where it's like, nah, I deserve to be paid for my skills and stuff. You get into this role and you probably don't deliver and you're probably under a bit of stress and you probably just can't do the best job that you can. So unfortunately, we, we are in a uh, an industry where you sort of need to start off with bare minimum wage or just coaching for free and doing some PT or something on the side, which is is is, is what you've um, told and, and something that I've done as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I've, I'm glad I sort of was forced to do a bit of volunteering coaching because it really made me um, question myself. like, do I want to be a coach? And at yeah. this stage, like, yes, I want to be a coach. I want to do it for a very long time. So, and then being a PT was awesome as well. I learned so much being a personal trainer and I would say definitely do both worlds of SNC and PT. And then something I want to look at what you talked about before is work with that club. And it doesn't really take much for people in the rugby league community or rugby union community to get a vibe for you and say, mm. yes, they are actually a good coach or no, they're actually not that good. And yeah. you probably won't get that next role. So it, and it just doesn't take long for you to get that next role as well. If you put a bit of time and effort into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's people, it's, it, these are small communities. Uh, SNC in general is a small community, but if you're specifically wanting to go in legal union, like you say, it's 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 pretty tight and people uh you know if, if if you're a dickhead in one unit or one group by the time you get offered an opportunity somewhere else someone from your former club is probably going to be there and they're going to go no 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 no, don't bring him in or her in so yeah making sure that you're, you're genuine there um there's something else you alluded to but it's it's, it's passed me by so no, it's all good <laughs> So moving on to the last sort of uh, part of this one, I think this might be our longest episode yet, breaking records, which is awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, moving on to the Triple H. So can you think of a hardship in your coaching career that sort of stands out and how did you get through this hardship and and what did you learn as well? I came as soon as you, as soon as you mentioned that, um, I sort of had a, without going into specifics, I had a role that I was, you know, I was really keen on, um, couple of years ago and you know, I sort of thought the opportunity was there and got, got passed over for it. Um, you know, another colleague of mine uh, got the role instead and he yeah, was fully deserving of, of the role. Um, but I probably realized at that point, I was disappointed that I didn't get it, but realized at that point, well, that's more of a reflection on myself than on, um, on, on anyone else because the, the coach who got it had been, pushing and pushing and put not not um pushing for that role but he'd been reaching and developing and growing and and really pushing himself to be better whereas potentially um i'd maybe let myself get a bit relaxed or not stagnant but hadn't been making the progress on myself and my abilities that i should have been doing um and it's sort of you know I, i sort of had two choices there i could have you know, kicked the tin down the road and just um, caught the shits and thrown a tantrum. But um, I sort of decided, you know, I'll, I'll give myself a couple of days to be a bit disappointed by it. And then, you know, what can I learn from it? And basically what I learned from it was that I wasn't doing enough to better myself as a coach and I wasn't putting everything into – it comes back to what we talked about before, every rep matters. I wasn't putting every single thing into every single day that I could have. 
I was just too busy just enjoying myself. And that's part of it. But yeah, basically what what, what I did from there is is I just decided, you know what, no, I'm just gonna be as good as I can, not with any expectations at the end of it, just because that way, no matter what happens, I know I've done my best and I've given my genuine best to all of my athletes and everyone around me. And at the end of the day, no matter what happens, that's how I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna be able to one day one day walk away from the career saying I did everything I could, um, regardless of when or how that is. Hopefully, it's a very, very long way away that that happens. Um, and yeah, so so basically, nothing, nothing hugely hard. You know, I didn't get fired or anything like that. I've been very fortunate in that sense. But um, for me, it was a bit of a kick in the guts, and it was something that was self-inflicted. So being able to take the accountability from that, learn from that, and then grow from it, I think is that's that's something that I think I'll probably always look back on as as something that I'm. Yeah, ultimately, probably glad happened. Mm. And it's something that we talked about is is keeping ego in check, and it's probably that that time probably tested you. Was like, yeah, I I I thought I deserved this. I thought I was better than that coach. But if you keep that ego unchecked and and really self reflect, and it's something that I always have to to do as well, is making sure that I'm being the best that I can be. Is just keeping that ego unchecked and. It's it's paid off, mate, because it seems like you're you're slowly getting up on those roles, and you're really doing a really good job there at the Raiders, and also with your, your your business as well. So it's it's really good that you sort of checked yourself a bit and calmed yourself down, and then reestablished mm. your focus, and um and again trusting the process to eventually get that role. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. It was really sort of taking my, I guess, taking the advice that I, I give people and that I give athletes, and um, like you said, sort of check the ego i sort of had to check myself a good bit there um which ultimately probably looks like it was it was very much a good thing um you had something like that with with any of your stuff in in ruggers or yeah it was um it was probably just like last year or last year when applying for however many jobs it was it was like 30 or 31 jobs yeah, like that kicks you in the teeth and eh? just not not getting the the opportunity to even just interview and then seeing the people that got those roles through LinkedIn, which is it's a pretty cool feature of LinkedIn. Everyone tells you the new roles that they get. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. And just I'm happy to share that I have this role. Yeah. <laughs> um and just seeing that person get it and then me just just straight away judging. Like, oh screw that person for getting it. I'm definitely better than you. I'm just like, hey, hey, come on, calm down. Like they probably got it for a certain amount of reason why. And again, I, I need to check yeah. my ego. It definitely gets up there, but I'm not saying I'm very ego driven at all. I'm very quite humble. I would say myself, unless other people say otherwise, but who cares? <laughs> um, so it's, it was just sort of, yeah, keeping that ego in, in check and making sure I trust the process. And then I eventually got a role um, and I'm, I'm very grateful to be in that role. So it was just. It's hard, you know, it's hard seeing someone get a position that you think you can really do a good job in and make a real positive change. And you just got to check yourself, re, um, just calm down and just I know, talk to you, your network as well. Talk to your families or friends or, or other coaches and, and, and see what they what feedback they can provide you and see if they can help you in any way and or just listen and you can vent to them as well. So, yeah, it's hard out there, but. I think if you just like we talked about, if you can check your ego and just really trust that process and the, the opportunity is going to come, it's just you need to be patient and, and ready to take the opportunity though as well when it does um, come up. Yeah, I, um, I 100% agree there. It's like you say, patience is key. Um, go through the process and 
when it comes, you're ready to take it. But if not, just be happy with working through that process. Yeah. And then once you've gotten over yourself, just be happy for that person who did get the job, you know, because yeah. it is such a, a cutthroat type of industry with different coaches and stuff who come in, want their S&C or you didn't do a good enough job, you're gone, we're bringing in the next. Like, just be grateful for those people who do get those roles and be thankful for them, like that they're getting an opportunity and then hopefully one day that you're going to get an opportunity as well. Yeah, well, Jen. Yeah, generally, genuine, generally speaking, when, when, when someone's getting an opportunity, they're getting it for very good reasons and it's usually because they deserve it. Um, and if, if, if let's say if you're a better coach, if they've sold themselves better, then that's on you to be better at selling mm. yourself. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, okay, my, in my situation, the, the guy that got it very, very much deserved it. Um, and, and, yeah, again, that was, that was a reflection on me for letting myself get to that point um, of, of maybe not being the best choice at that time. Um, so I think that's, yeah, like you say, check your ego at the door um, and learn how to take the most out of a situation like that. Be happy mm. for the people that do get it. 100%. So who is your hero and why is this person your hero? Um, my hero is probably my old man, my dad. Um, he's not in an S&C perspective as such, um, but he's just, you know, he's, he's come from relatively humble beginnings and he's just never... Um, never let anything get in his way. He's lived a very, very interesting life and he's just yeah, always been true to himself and true to his family. He's always been someone I've sort of looked up to as, um, you know, just being pretty unshakable in that sense. I guess, uh, yeah, how a lot of people probably, you know, hopefully can look up to their old man. Um, you know, it's one of those people that you sort of go, you know, when I'm, when I'm that, when I'm that age, I'd, I'd like to be like that. So that's, yeah, without going into specifics, that's in a nutshell. That's uh, yeah, it's probably dad. Awesome, shout out, dad. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know if he'll watch or listen, but it's all right, he can have the credit. <laughs> so, last one, what is a highlight that sort of stands out in your coaching career or so far or highlights? Mm. It's um, uh, the, the easiest one to say is, is the 20, 2019. 21, 21, what I'm talking about. 2021 um, SG Ball Comp. So that was the under 19s. Um, and we we won that competition. And that was fifth year I've been involved in that, that competition. Um, sixth year in terms of the Raiders Juniors. So to, you know, I, I, I really wanted, and all of the staff really wanted to win a comp together, um, you know, before, you know, because we'd all been together for quite some time there, several years. Uh, we all wanted to win a, a competition there before, um, for progressing on and we had a very good team there. I think there'll probably be five or six NRL players come out of that. Um, but at the time, man, there was some, there was a lot of not roadblocks, but there was a lot of, you know, potholes along the way that we had to fight through, barely made it into finals. Um, you know, scraped in by the skin of our teeth. I think it was on points difference perhaps. Um, and then, yeah, to, to, uh, to win the comp, the way that we had to go about it, like, the games in the finals weren't easy. Um, the last two games, which it was, that was a highlight. It was just, it was a very emotional time. Um, you know, I still feel a great amount of pride in what the players did. Some people might look at it and say, oh, it's an under-19s comp, but it's the best under-19s rugby league comp in the world. And um, that was, you know, the amount of time and effort and energy that, that went into that and the amount of growth and just, 
yeah, just growth and effort that went in from the players was just was astounding. So that was um that was a highlight. And the other ones that that always always stand out are when when players that, that I've worked with for a long period of time when they when they do make their NRL debut. Um, first one was was probably probably hard to say whether one's more special than the other, but you obviously remember the first one. Um, Harley Smith Shields was my first one. It was during one of those COVID years. Um, you know, when you could only have 200 or 300 people or whatever it was at the stadium. So, so that was cool. Managed to, um, managed to get to that one and make sure I was there in person. So, um, yeah, premiership and, um, yeah, debuts and just, just watching players go, man. Mm. It's, it's just something special about when you, you see someone that even if you play like a, a bee's dick of a part in their journey, it's just, you know, they're a good person and they deserve it. So it's, that's mm. always pretty cool. That's awesome to see that. I love that. So who should be my next guest on the podcast? Is there any uh, coaches or players that sort of come to mind that you can think of? Next guest, hey? Um, well, this is a rugby-themed podcast, isn't it? Um, yeah, it can be it can be any sport, mate. We, we talk about anything and you can always relate it back to rugby. It can be even business-related as well. You know, we're always trying to expand our, our uh, network and um, resources to our listeners. Is it... Is it uh... I say young, he's only a couple of years younger than me, but a young fellow I worked with, um, Daniel Johnson, it's not a not a bad option. He could be quite interesting. Um, as far as I recall, I met him with a one or two weeks stint he did when we were both when I was intern at Raiders. Um and then he went back up to Brisbane. I think he did two years, maybe three, as an intern with the Broncos. Um, and he's since moved on into netball. And I think at times he was doing that as a dual role. So right now he's in netball, but the contrast could be quite interesting for you. Okay. I'll definitely reach out to him and see if he wants to come on. Yeah, he'd be, he's a good fellow. It'd be very interesting, I think. Awesome. So where can listeners find you on social media if they want to reach out? Uh, Instagram is probably the biggest one. Um, J Free Performance is um, – oh, here it is – is my uh, is my handle. Um, I am on TikTok as well. Uh, I don't post too frequently on there because I – I got a decent following from a couple of videos I did that were very heavily in the, um, I think the bodybuilding side of TikTok. So sometimes people don't like some of the things you post about SNC and more, <laughs> no, no, we're not doing this just to get juiced. We're doing this for other reasons. Um, mm. But no, Instagram's probably the go. Uh, J3 performs. And then, awesome. uh, yeah, that links to everything else on there. Sweet. I'll pop that in uh, down the below in the show notes as well. So thanks for joining me today, mate. It's been awesome to better understand your story and and the knowledge that you have in, in rugby league as an SNC coach. And it's been really cool just to really just learn more about yourself. And, and like I said, we, we definitely, we met up at the, at the ACA conference. And again, it's just a, another plug for them. You know, you don't know who you're yeah. going to meet and um, what resources you can share, but also just learning people's stories is awesome. So thanks for joining me today, mate. It's been really cool. Mate, thanks for having me on. It's um, it was good fun. Um, Appreciate you letting me waffle on about a few things, uh, but no, it was really good. Like you say, ask it was uh, it was it was a good thing. You never know who you're gonna uh, who you're gonna run into. Spend a time with it. Hundred percent. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. That's awesome. Thanks, Kieran. Love your work. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Elite Rugby SNC podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and rate Elite Rugby SNC on Spotify and YouTube, and make sure you follow us on Instagram. Sign up to come a beast via the link in the description or via Instagram page. Also, remember to sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content each and every single week. So don't wait, make that good decision and join Elite Rugby SNC today and take your game to the next level. Thanks for listening.